if you are curious about what Mark meant by creating a framework or having a framework, that is what we will discuss at our presentation. So come and learn this framework to help you become an EDPT. I love it. I'm going to add, we're going to empower you to feel comfortable at the top of your scope and really in any setting, not just the emergency department by using this framework. So we hope to see you there. Welcome to In the ED Now, a podcast that makes you an excellent emergency department physical therapist. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Griffith. And on today's episode, we're talking with colleagues, Dr. Mark Magdaleno and Dr. Jenna Seagraves, both emergency department physical therapists from Colorado. And we're gonna be discussing our CSM presentation, uh, which is going to be presented at CSM 2024 in Boston. And it's called Keep It Simple, Management of the Complex Patient in the Emergency Department. So tune in to find out why you should attend this presentation and how we're gonna help you make the most complex patient in the emergency department seem as simple as can be. Tune in today, thanks for listening. Welcome back to In the ED Now, a podcast that makes you an excellent emergency department physical therapist. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Griffith, the EDDPT, and I'm so excited to have with me tonight two other amazing EDDPTs, and I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Jenna Seagraves. Um, I'm a board-certified neurologic clinical specialist, and I um, work in the emergency department, and I'm really excited to be dis just discussing a little bit more about our CSM talk. That will be at Boston uh, 2024, and um, we will talk quite a bit more about why PT is so desperately needed in the ED. That sounds wonderful. Uh, hi, my name is Mark Magdaleno. I'm a physical therapist at University of Colorado Hospital in Aurora, Colorado. I've been practicing in the emergency department for about seven years now. Uh, but my background is is fairly diverse. I've been in some combination of outpatient and inpatient, uh, acute rehabilitation and emergency medicine in my entire career. So I'm coming from a little bit of a diverse background. I guess I can't decide which direction I want to take it in. Um, so the emergency room fits very well with my, my indecisiveness and my uh, scattered personality. But uh, I look forward to hearing a lot more uh, from you know, everyone else, all the experts we have here tonight and then providing a little bit of insight myself into you know, our, our future directions for EDPT and, and specifically our, our CSM presentation in February. I'm so excited. So um, you guys know that I feel really strongly about emergency PT practice, obviously. And one of my goals is to have emergency PT be well-known so that people aren't like, oh, you work in the ED, what do you do? But then the second part of that is once it's well known and it's kind of well established, how do we practice at the top of our scope in the emergency department? So we want to make emergency PT well known and well practiced. And so uh, the, the idea for this CSM presentation, which is called Keep It Simple, Management of the Complex Patient in the Emergency Department, really is around how to take those really complex patient populations in the ED and simplify it. And I'm curious as to why you guys think that we needed to do a presentation like this at CSM. Yeah, I feel like the, the background has just been lacking in this area. You know, a lot of the content that we've seen in previous, you know, CSMs and 
uh, you know, different conferences has really been a little bit lackluster in this realm. And it, it focuses a lot more on, you know, the initiation of the, the EDPT program, but not how to really, you know, once you're established in the ED, be able to amplify your practice and really take it to the next level. Yeah, and I think the content that we've seen has been great, right? But it really is truly still in that stage of like, how do we get you going in the ED? But there hasn't been, just like you said, anything to do once, you, once you're once you there, once you've established your practice. Once I mean, you've been working there for, what did you say, seven years? Mm -hmm. That's right. There's not a lot of content out there for you to help you become a better clinician in this area. Jenna, what's your experience been? Yeah, I think that, my experience personally has been I, I went I worked at a facility where there already was an ED program up and running and I had never actually worked in it myself, but the program itself was robust. And um, so I as a clinician that had been working kind of like Mark, I, I've really worked in in a variety of settings, outpatient, inpatient. And so the emergency department just really sparked my interest because it's a, a beautiful blend, really, of, of both of those things. But when I came down, it was kind of like, here's this, here's this um, great program that already in, is in existence, but how do I, as a PT, really practice at the top of my scope now that I'm here, um, when everyone else so, sort of seems like they know what they're doing and, and how important PT is, how do I now really, really fit into that? I think that's amazing. And I think another another thing that I see a lot in the emergency department is that it takes a while to get that physician buy-in, that APP buy-in that we can actually contribute in this space. And once we do, it's still for those like simple things. Like, oh, I've got a guy in room 12 that has an ankle sprain, or can you see the patient with low back pain in room 54? Or, you know, someone's Aunt Marge has fallen down the stairs. Can you do a home safety eval? I just don't think this patient is walking very well. So those things are bread and butter. I know that sometimes the providers are like, well, that's just what you do. So I think this presentation also has the opportunity to really empower PTs in the ED to take it to that next level and to see some of the more complex patient populations. So what would you define as a complex patient in the ED? I think you have those, you know, textbook things that we see in, you know, outpatient orthopedic clinics, those ankle sprains and, and low back pains, but then you also are going to layer into it different issues associated with their, you know, ability to thrive in the community. So your, your biopsychosocial model, right? So mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden low back pain in someone who's, you know, unhoused and has to transfer on and off of the, the ground to sleep tonight, or maybe doesn't have healthcare uh, access, or doesn't speak the same language as you. And you have to kind of connect all the dots and make sure that this patient not only gets adequate care and follow up, but also, you know, you might be able to treat this patient and, and make them, you know, more accessible, more able to, you know, return to their, their prior level of function, their activity and you know, be able to, to thrive when they leave the ED doors. Yeah, Mark, that's great. I'd like to just sort of um, jump, jump right off of you there. Um, a lot of times, too, I think that we, you know, as PTs, we are doing that deeper dive. When it comes to acute care, I think most acute care PTs know, well, well, we need to be asking about the home environment. 
we need to be asking about some of those social determinants of health. But we have to remember that in the emergency department, that's that's the first door that most most people have to go through to even then become admitted into the hospital. And so you're going to see really anything and everything that could then walk through the door that actually gets into the ED. And so Mark did a great job of really talking about some of those psychosocial components. And then also there are the, the more complex medical components as well. And we're also gonna talk quite a bit about some of the neurologically complex as PTs, we are really geared into being able to identify red flags that maybe the other members of the healthcare team really just aren't as attuned um, into being able to identify those the way that we are. I think that you raise a good point there. And one of the things that I point out to people often is that we don't really know what the problem is, right, necessarily. Mm. So the patient could be walking in with a complaint of low back pain. But for example, I've had a patient who once I kind of spoke to that patient, they'd been here several times for low back pain and referred to PT several times and never followed up. And I actually ended up speaking to that patient in their native language because their their English was passable enough and they had declined an interpreter in the past. But I said, hey, would, would you like to speak with me in your uh, native language? And the patient was like, oh yeah, that'd be great. Um, and it turned out that the low back pain was actually psychiatric hallucinations. Um, but he hadn't really been able to effectively communicate that to anybody in the past. And there was a reason he wasn't following up with his outpatient appointments. He didn't really, he wasn't mentally healthy or well enough to follow those steps needed to get to that appointment, to be safe at home. And he kept coming back because it was the only thing that he knew to do. And I think that's part of why we need to have those complex management skills because the emergency, there might not be one, the emergency might not have happened yet, or there might be just a questionable diagnosis. And with our different lens, hopefully we can help be part of the team in picking that up. Absolutely. Definitely. Yes. And I think I'll speak into that as well. We're really the only ones that are really getting the patients up and taxing them from, you know, all, all system standpoint. So I think a lot of these things that, you know, maybe we don't understand why this patient is all of a sudden, you know, desaturating to, you know, a, a oxygenation level that's not sustainable or, you know, becoming incredibly tachycardic with, you know, activity. but most of the providers will not actually, you know, do the, the mobility assessment. They'll do a, a bed level assessment and determine that this patient looks great. Uh, but then once we ask them to, or once we, they have us uh, do the mobility assessment, a lot of these, you know, more, uh, uh, I guess, scary medical uh, issues might arise with, with mobility. So I think we're big on picking up, you know, things that might be hiding under the hood as well. I think we also take the time to like chat with our patients too. And if you're chatting and moving and the wheels are coming off, that's like a huge red flag. And I think that that gets overlooked a lot. But my favorite is when the neuro exam notes say that the patient is fine. And then under gate, it says unsafe to assess due to full risk. And I'm like, yeah, we're intact, but we're not safe to get up. So that's always my favorite piece. And I want to like take that, what you said, Mark, in a little bit of a different direction, because one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot is risk tolerance and why as part of our like management of these patients in the emergency department, maybe those like 
hard stops aren't the same. Maybe those vitals parameters aren't the same. Maybe we are seeing patients and asking them to do things that we wouldn't do in other settings. I'm just wondering if you can both speak to that and how you measure your risk tolerance for the patient's benefit. Sure. Yeah, I think knowing that we are the the in the emergency room is it allows you to be a little more risk taking with those patients. So for example, you know, you learn to identify these red flags in your, you know, outpatient orthopedic clinic where the the result is to then send them to the emergency room. But what then is the case when they they show up in in your emergency room and you're the one that's supposed to be managing this emergent patient. So, I think being able to triage, you know, true emergent versus just simply non-musculoskeletal is is a, an important skill. You also have to kind of understand underlying pathologies and you know how the the treatment course goes for a lot of these things. So although it might be you know incredibly concerning that this uh, you know concern for a uh, you know oncologic process is contributing to this patient's uh, you know regional body pain, it may or may not end up being an emergent condition that requires you know, emergency care and could have potentially been better suited following up in you know, a primary care clinic. Um, other things that I know we have been kind of encouraged to send to the emergency room are uh, blood pressure parameters. I know on the low end, it's obvious that we need some sort of you know, minimum amount of pressure to sustain perfusion of our organs. but. Uh, interestingly enough, on the higher end, there's not a whole lot that a lot of our physicians in the emergency room do for asymptomatic uh, hypertension. They really will discharge the patient with uh, uh, a referral to their primary care doctor because they don't really want to start blood pressure lowering medications and never follow up with you again. So it's just been very eye-opening to, to see kind of what the emergency room does with a lot of these patients that we've been primed to say like, send these patients to the emergency room, no matter what. Yeah, and I think DVT is similar, right? Like so many times, not a lot happens for a patient with a suspected DVT and, and is it truly an emergency? Go ahead, Jenna. Yeah, I was, I was just gonna say, Mark, I'm so glad you brought up the blood pressure um, because there was, I have an actual example when I was, I was still semi-new down there. And so I still, I, I would say my confidence wasn't wasn't as high as as maybe it is now, but I there was a, a patient that I was going to see, and just at rest, the blood pressure was in the one eighties, you know, um, over maybe nineties or so, and it was pretty high. I didn't feel super comfortable going for a long walk out in the hallway or anything like that. Um, but that's just me. I was I was you know very conservative at that time, and when I tried to relay that to the team, they had zero comprehension that that would be a reason to not mobilize someone. And they they just kept saying this, but the patient is fine. They're talking. Um, this is no reason to actually admit someone to the hospital. So we need you to walk the patient. We need to make sure they're safe. And I'm like, I don't really feel comfortable doing that. And so it, it got to the point where, and I still don't know if this was the right thing to do, but I, I did mobilize the patient, took before and after vitals and just made sure in my documentation that I stated, you know, did this per, you know, specific MD recommendations. Um, 
blah, 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 something along those lines. But it, that was that was definitely the first time that I had ever really experienced anything like that. And it's I just learned from you just now, Mark, that um, that they don't want to take on that uh, responsibility of having to be the first one to initiate that blood pressure lowering medication. And I, I had no idea that that really was likely what was going on. Yeah. And, and I think that's so interesting because that the um, American College of Emergency Medicine Physicians actually recommends that if a patient has asymptomatic hypertension and has good follow-up, so that's key, good follow-up, mm. that they not intervene. And I think that's something that we don't really understand. And I've seen physical therapists in the ED say, I'm not going to mobilize that patient's contraindicated. And the physicians are like, that patient mobilized themselves in here. That patient's going to mobilize themselves right out of here. So you can see them or yes. not see them, but they will be discharged. So I actually think it is our responsibility to mobilize that patient mm -hmm. because I want to see what happens if I mess with it a little safely. I'm going to monitor their vitals that whole time. I'm going to get them transferring, walking, going up and down the stairs if that's what they have to do. If they're a patient who is unhoused and they walk all day long, we're going to go for a long walk and we're going to monitor all of their vital signs and see what's happening to make sure that it's stable, to make sure they remain asymptomatic, because that's part of the information that the medical team actually needs to make a decision about whether or not to intervene. So I think that's definitely a mindset change about what we're taught in school and what actually is a red flag. But I think the other pieces we're often taught, you need to communicate with a physician about that. And in the ED, we have done that. I have now made the emergency medicine physician aware that this patient has hypertension at rest. And the physician then with their clinical judgment says, great, please proceed. You know, so I think we've done all of the things that we need to do to take that risk appropriately. But uh, the number of PTs that I get that are just like, so afraid to take on that risk. I actually feel like if we don't do it, who's going to do it? And then that patient's going to go home. And if they have an event at home, because I was too scared to get them up and mobile, I'd rather have them have an event in the ED than have an event home alone on their stairs. Most definitely. All right. So here's my next question for you. When we talk about management of a complex patient in the emergency department, what strategies do you use to systematically simplify how you look at each patient. And I know we're going to talk about this in the presentation, so don't give away all the secrets, but what are one or two big tips that you would give people listening? My big uh, mission in every patient I go into is really try to make a case that I'm ruling out the, the worst case scenario in my mind. So anyone who comes in with, you know, regional body pain or, or falls or dizziness, I'm really trying to take a look at their history, their comorbidities, their risk factors, and determine kind of like what, what is the worst case scenario that this could be? Is it a vascular injury? Is it a, an infectious etiology? Is it a, you know, an upper motor neuron lesion? And then really work to rule out the emergency conditions with you know, chart review and, and my physical exam. And then once I can make a pretty good case that I'm not incredibly worried about those things, then I turn my, my PT, I put my PT cap back on, and then I try to really assess the patient, patient functionally and, and intervene based on, you know, what my assessment was, what my functional assessment tells me. Love it. Love it. Mark, that, that's just 
beautifully said. I mean, <laughs> that is like the exact best way. Yeah. I mean, there's really not much more that that I could really say that's different than anything that, that you just said, yeah. other than just tacking on that we we do need to also sort of do that deeper dive into their home environment, their support system, um, any barriers that, that could exist that could actually limit their ability to recover or improve. Um, abs absolutely, but I mean, you you just nailed it. That was great. I love it, I love it. What's the first question you're gonna ask those patients? Every single patient? <laughs> like right when you walk in? Like what's your like key question to make sure that you're getting at the heart of it? Uh, what is your concern? You know, getting get to the bottom of why, why did the patient feel that they needed to come into the emergency room today? You know, was it the acute on chronic pain? What was different exactly or specifically today that made you come in for this problem that's been going on for a while? Um, I, I always want to try to get the patient's perception as to, you know, what what they're doing here so I can hone in my my exam and my questioning. That That is such a great point, Mark, because I do think a lot of times there something that's pretty crucial to the emergency department that is a bit different than other floors of acute care is that interdisciplinary team that is, they're all there and you can speak to them face-to-face. -face. That is that is very rare. Most other acute floors, you know, I'm lucky if I can get someone on the phone, but most of the time it's through chat. These, in the ED, I'm usually speaking to all of the providers face-to-face. -face. And so that is something that's really, I think, unique and um, something that sets it apart. But that can lead to us having our own perceptions before we even walk through the door. Right. If we if we are being told from the nurse or from the um, MD or from the nurse practitioner that so and so they, they think they're just really anxious or they, they could say anything to sort of make um, make you think in your head that you're going to have these preconceived notions as you walk through the door. But I love that you that you always bring it back to the patient. And so my my very first question that I asked just about everyone will be what brings you into the emergency department you know just like mark said i mean um that's my first we, question too yeah i mean why are you here you'll learn so much more from them than not to say talking to the other providers is not helpful it absolutely is um but we we can't forget that the the other and most important member of the team is the patient definitely that's absolutely a perfect response to that. Um, I think one of the other things about when we're talking about how to simplify these complex patients is understanding that we're not making that decision in isolation. So just to like follow up with what you said, we have a whole team. We don't have to know the answer. I have to know my part of the answer. I don't have to, I don't have to be the person that if, if I can't figure out why they have dizziness, if I've ruled out that it's a dizziness that physical therapy is not appropriate for, I'm done. I am still going to manage that patient's case from my physical therapist perspective, but I don't need to torture myself with trying to figure out the right answer. I'm not actually trained to do that. So I think that's another thing that 
I know I've been caught up in, in the ED sometimes like, well, I can't figure out what it is. But emergency medicine physicians don't, don't have that same issue, right? And they're like life limb threatening. <laughs> what, who, who are we referring you to? Um, yeah. And it, it took me a while to kind of realize like, is this a me problem? How can I contribute to a solution? And then what's next? So how did you guys like really um, come to like feel integrated and part of the team so that you were a good contributor, but also realizing that you didn't like the buck didn't stop with you, that you could work together with your team to figure out the answers. Yeah. Great um, question. Um, I, I feel like that was not an easy thing for me to, to let go of either. Um, you know, I, I thinking back to my outpatient days, I had always, almost preferred to go into an eval without the, the specific diagnosis that was to given to that patient from someone else. So, you know, kind of speaking to what Jenna was talking about earlier, like you, you try not to go into those, uh, you know, preconceived notions that, you know, someone else is setting you up for that issue. Um, but at the same time, you do have to realize that there's, you know, especially in you know a trauma center, there's so many extra specialists who have dedicated years of their lives to, you know, specific body parts or, or structures that they're going to come in with their, you know, uh, their assessment of. So I feel like it really has just been a, a grassroots level change in me being able to, to discuss and, you know, interview each, each clinician that I'm talking to and really fully understand that, you know, I don't know everything about all of my patients and it, it's really just so nice to have that immediate access to be able to grab a neurologist or you know an orthopedic uh, specialist and be able to you know have them teach you their piece so that you can you know, better integrate and feel how you fit into your niche of really the functional piece i see us as like the the connection of all of the different little pieces that everyone puts together because it's really all boils down to how does this patient function, you know, whether it's from a, a neurologic impairment or, you know, an orthopedic injury or a cognitive issue, you, you get to take all these different pieces of information and put them together in your, in your functional assessment. Yes. For me, it took a long time for me to, I guess, get comfortable with not always feeling really confident with this is exactly what's going on. And I feel completely confident that this is the direction that, that we should go with this. And something that helped me sort of grapple with that was realizing that everyone else on the team, they're human too. And if I go to them and I, and I'm just honest and I tell them, Hey, I actually don't really know. This is, but let me tell you what I do know and just lay out what, what I did find and what I am confident on. And then they, as the other members of the team and, and me being part of the team, we can figure out, okay, these other pieces we're not 100% sure on. Do we need answers to those to figure out the next step? Or do we have enough right now to really figure out um, what the next plan is for this particular patient. 
Yeah, I can think of a, also just like a very PT specific time when I asked Mark because I was seeing a patient with acute shoulder pain and I couldn't figure it out. And I wanted to know the answer so badly so I could tell this patient what we needed to do. And I was putting him through all the special tests and I was doing all the things. And the reality was I was actually making that patient feel worse oh, no. and um, like making their pain worse. And I just kept saying, I'm sorry, but we, you know, we have to figure this out. Like if I can just get through this exam, then I'm going to be able to tell you what happened and we can make a plan from there. And I just, I was frustrated with myself and I just said, Hey, why don't we take a break and like get you some pain meds and then I'll come back and, and we'll maybe decide what to do from there. And then I said, Mark, I can't figure out what to do. Like, this is like this and this is like this, but he's kind of like guarding and it's all of these different things. And then Mark just said, is it going to change your plan of care today? Like if you, if you torture this man further to find out the answer, will it change what you're going to do? And the answer was no. Like he's, he clearly, all he needed was symptom modulation and some joint protection and some education about positioning and follow-up, right? Because he couldn't tolerate anything else. There was nothing else. I was like, I wasn't going to get him like on the squat rack today. Like there was nothing <laughs> nothing else of value that I was going to do. And so I just like, it brought me very present to the goal of the ED, which is to get the patient mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. of the emergency department in the yeah. best way possible to the next step in their healthcare journey. So am I going to be that person that maybe figures out what his ultimate diagnosis is? No, the outpatient PT is going to do that when that calms down for a second. Right. But what I did do was rule out red flags, the need for imaging, and make a plan that made the patient feel better, safe, and empowered him on what to do next and what to expect. So when I went back in to see that patient, I said, I just want to apologize to you. I feel like I've not been really consistent with what you need today. And I really think that it, we could continue down this path and try and figure out exactly what's wrong. Although I'm not sure how accurate our exams will be because of how highly irritable your symptoms are today. When we think about our sins, right? Our symptom irritability, the stability, the nature of it. And I said, but I, I don't think it'll change what we'll do today. And it's not going to change who and why and where and when I'm going to refer you. So are you okay with us stopping the exam for today and going ahead with some treatment to try and make you feel better? My God, this poor man was like, yes. <laughs> so that was like my lesson in like, you don't have to know all the answers and it may not even be the right thing to do to keep digging and, and forcing it either, especially if it's not going to change your plan of care in the ED. How am I going to intervene today? What does this patient need from me now? So that being said, that was my uh, little humility lesson there, Mark. I thank you for that because that was very helpful. And I have been carrying that with me since that time. But Jenna, one of the things that you brought up a couple of times is confidence. Mm -hmm. So the last thing I really want to talk about as it pertains to management of the complex patient in the emergency department, which is what our CSM presentation will be about, is mindset. So when you're practicing in the ED, how do you feel about your mindset in your ability to manage these patients? I think that if we were to go back in time and listen to what Mark said 
before. <laughs> I'm just going to highlight Mark, Mark here because you really said it just perfectly about how you come into the room and then and really how do you really perform your evaluation for for someone but that is us as physical therapists so just remembering down to our core in terms of um uh, being pts and being able to have that one-on-one -on -one time with our patient really having um having them feel comfortable to really give you a thorough subjective because that can also lead you down other pathways of, oh, this actually isn't quite what maybe I was thinking it could have been based on the chart review, based on my, my conversation with the team, because you're giving me all these extra layers. And now I actually want to do these other tests that, that could rule something else in or rule something else out. Um, and remembering that we are trained to, to identify red flags. We are trained to assess someone's range of motion, their strength, their mobility, their endurance, all of those things. And then we tack on everything else within that biopsychosocial model, their personal factors, their environmental factors. And does that actually change what you're now going to recommend for them once they, once they leave the emergency department? And so remembering, for me, my mindset is, I know how to be a PT. I just now need to figure out how to navigate it in this in this new area that is a bit more dynamic. Acute care is very dynamic, but I would I would argue the ED is very dynamic. Very. Yes. Mark, how about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think appreciating the complexity of the environment is definitely important so you can see you know any combination of diagnoses from you know neurologic to cardiopulmonary to you know orthopedic musculoskeletal and then also layer in all of these you know other biopsychosocial complexities to the situation so i think a lot of times it's easy to get flustered with you know, the different, all the different options that are uh, potentially available. But I think trying to, trying your best to be the, like the calm in the storm and again, connect the dots for this patient that's in front of you. I don't, I don't think that we always need to overcomplicate things as much as, as we do sometimes. I think Jenna said it uh, very well that we know how to be PTs, right? And we don't need to know, you know every single thing about this patient in order to help them along the path to regain their function. So as long as we are doing our best to kind of rule out the emergent conditions and check for red flags, you know, we're really doing our job uh, in terms of the emergency department. We do our home safety assessment and deem that that patient is or is not able to go home. I think we're all very comfortable doing all those things. It just really comes to the the ability to to collect all of these extra pieces of data and know what to do with them. So like know, knowing your resources, and knowing what, you know, next line of defense is for this patient, knowing who to refer to. And then once you have that framework down, just a, a consistent you know model of how you manage 
certain types of patients with certain types of impairments, it really becomes, you know, a little bit more second nature as opposed to just treating every single patient as a, uh, you know, some reinvent the wheel kind of thing. So once, once you have a set framework, uh, it really, you know, it, it is a lot less complicated than it needs to be. All right, I think that's an excellent wrap up for our presentation. Keep it simple, management of the complex patient in the emergency department. Uh, our presentation is going to be on Thursday, February 15th at 11 a.m. in Boston uh, next year. I guess by the time this episode airs, it will be next year. It'll be 2024 already. We're recording this right before Christmas. So just from the both of you, final thoughts. Why should somebody come to this presentation? What's your one-liner? Let me think on a one-liner. Yeah, one-liner, Gabby. <laughs> one um, it, it's going to be a dynamic uh, conversation with tangible uh, takeaway points to, to make, make ED practice more simple. Love it. If you are curious about what Mark meant by creating a framework or having a framework, that is what we will discuss at our presentation. So come and learn this framework to help you become an EDPT. I love it. I'm going to add, we're going to empower you to feel comfortable at the top of your scope and really in any setting, not just the emergency department by using this framework. So we hope to see you there. Thank you both for being on the show. Dr. Seagraves, Dr. Magdaleno, you guys have been in the ED now and you're officially discharged. Thanks, Thanks so much, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you for listening. In the ED Now is a podcast hosted and produced by Rebecca Griffith, the ED DPT, as part of Rebecca Griffith Physical Therapy, LLC. Our podcast makes you an excellent emergency department physical therapist. This podcast is intended for educational use only and is not intended as clinical or medical advice. While we make every effort for accuracy, factual errors may be present. Since you've been in the ED, I'm prepared to give you your discharge instructions. Please subscribe, share, and find more at the eddpt.com. You're officially discharged.